Come on, come on, Salt Lake City. Come on, give Jesus a shout. Come on, somebody. Come on, lift your voices today. Amen. Amen. Incredible. Oh, man, so good to be here with you guys. Worship team, you guys can go and take a break. Relax. Not for too long. Oh, one last, one last play. There you go. Excellent. That was good. That was cool. Hey, it's so good to be with you. I'm so excited to, uh, to preach to you today. Uh, before I say anything else, let's just take a quick moment now. and Let's honor our senior pastors, Pastor Jurgen, Pastor Leanne. Let's also honor your campus pastors, Pastor Vince, Pastor Becca, two of the greatest people on the planet. It's such an honor to be with you in beautiful, I mean, come on, Salt Lake City, what a beautiful place to live. It's just amazing here, you guys. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Pastor Drew. My wife and I, we pastor the South Campus, which is in south of San Diego. We are almost at the border. We have the greatest Mexican food of all time. Come on, somebody. So next time you're in San Diego, come and say hi. Our church shares a wall with one of the greatest Mexican restaurants in San Diego. So you can come to church and you don't have to even get in your car. You can go and get yourself a California burrito. Oh man, you guys have to learn some things. A California burrito. He who finds California burrito finds a good thing. It's in the Bible. It's in the message somewhere. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great. And uh, I'm just so glad to be here with you guys. So we send our love from C3 San Diego to you today. Um, I'm married to the wonderful Pastor Emma. Some of you ladies may have met her at Cherish. And uh, I have a five-year-old named Georgia and a three-year-old named Jack. Pray for him because he is just a daredevil. He is probably doing something dangerous as we speak right now. <laughs> but uh, the accent you hear is an Australian accent. Yes, I do come from... Thank you. Yeah, shout out. Come on. I do have an Australian accent. I do come from the dangerous land of Australia where there are spiders that can kill you. There are snakes that can kill you. There are birds that can attack you. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. You just look it up later in your own personal time. Magpie attack magpie attack they, a couple of months a year they go crazy these birds and they just attack you for no red they attack children children just riding to school just trying to get an education and they attack the children uh, so we have a, a jellyfish in australia that if it stings you you've got about 15 minutes until you die. So listen, it's an intense place. That's why I left there. That's why I escaped. That's why I moved to the greatest country, the United States of America. And, uh, you know, I'm just so, so honored to be with you guys today in this first service of 2019. Come on, who knows it's a new year? Who knows it's a new day for Salt Lake City? It's a new day for this church. It's a new day for you. In case you didn't know that, there, I've just told you. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new time. It's a new season. It's a new year for this church. Amen? Probably an appropriate time to clap in church would have been then. So listen, I, I am an interactive preacher. I have ADD, so meaning that I do not pay attention very well to things. So I preach like as if everyone has ADD. So if I'm bored up here and I'm preaching, then you must be extremely bored watching me. So I want to make sure that we're interactive today. So if I say anything even remotely interesting, even like that's, that's like a four out of 10 comment, I want you to clap, shout, cheer. C3 Church, we're an excited church. We're a passionate church. Come on, because we have Jesus. That's a reason to be excited. And uh, another reason to be excited is because it is Connect Sunday. Connect Sunday, probably one of the most important Sundays of the year. And uh, I'm going to preach a little bit about that today because I, I, I really believe that connect groups are such an important key in your life and in everyone's life, in fact. And the truth is that you could be in church but get lost in a church. And the bigger a church gets, the easier it seems to be just to get lost in a church. You can be in a church and you can hide in a church. You can hide. And the tragedy about someone who is lost in a church or the tragedy about someone who's hiding in a church is that they will never actually get planted in the church. They'll never get discipled in the church. They'll never get activated into their God-given calling in the church. So listen, I don't care if you're 13 or 113 years old today, I believe that God still has a plan for you. And I believe that this is your year. And I believe if you would go ahead today and take that step to get into a connect group, it's going to be a really good thing for you. Somebody say, Amen. amen. So 
four words that you will hear at C3 is connect, grow, serve, and lead. It is the pathway of discipleship. And we thought we could make discipleship really complicated. Some Christians have made it so complicated that we don't understand. You need like a, a big blackboard with like algebra to understand what, what are we meant to be doing? Like, I don't understand what's happening. But we've made it quite simple. Connect, grow, serve, and lead. So today I actually want to talk to you about a very simple message. This is going to be so simple. Like I don't care how bad you did in school. You are going to understand this. So connect, grow, serve, and lead. The title of my message today is Connect 4. Connect 4, which by the way is a fantastic game if you've never played it. Stop by Walmart on the way home, invest $12, do yourself a favor. Connect four. Let's pray and let's get into the message. God, thank you for everybody here today. Salt Lake City. We thank you for, God, that I will preach today and people will receive something. That it won't be my words, God, but your words will be spoken. I thank you that we're going to have some fun in church today. That we're going to have a good time. And people are going to join connect groups today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's talk about connect. Let's just go through. It's going to be so simple. Spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about connect, then grow, then serve, then lead. So if you're like one of those control people that need to know what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. Um, you can take your notepad out. Point one will be connect. You can write that down. If you don't take notes, that's okay. God forgives you, but you should take notes in church. And uh, you never know, your, your, your name may be written in the Lamb's Book of Life if you take notes in church. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But take notes in church. I always find I, I get uh, much more out of the message when I'm taking notes. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about is connect. And obviously, we're, we're a church. Spoiler alert. We want you to connect with God. Hello. Um, we know that. But we also want you to connect with people. We want you to connect with people. And I don't think it's good for people to do life alone. In fact, the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. But I would have to say that in today's day and age, it's probably easier than ever to actually be extremely isolated and extremely alone. Even though we may feel like we're more connected with all of our apps and our social media and everything, uh, we would maybe feel like we are more connected. But in reality, sometimes we're not. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you see a whole family at the table next to you and none of them are talking to each other? Instead, they're on their they're on their phone. That's a problem here as well. I thought it was a, maybe a California thing. It's a worldwide epidemic, people. That instead of people connecting with the person across the table from them, they're on their phone liking a photo of a kitten <laughs> from someone who they don't even know. It's even worse when it's someone's first date, right? You see, like, it's someone's first date and, and they're out at a restaurant. Maybe they're at Danny's. I don't know. Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken. Amen. Yeah, come on, somebody. Chick-fil-A is going to be in heaven, everybody. That's going to be, we, we, and it's going to be over on Sundays, you know what I'm saying. It's going to be over on Sunday. Chick-fil-A. So you see a, a young couple at their, it's their first day at Chick-fil-A. And, and you know it's not a good move for them to be dating because they're not actually talking to each other. They're just sitting there on their phones. So it's possible for you and I to be with people, but not with people. It's possible for you and I to go through life and become completely isolated and alone. But God's plan for us is that we would have friendship. We would have friends in our life. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, Two are better than one. I believe this to be true in many ways. Two donuts. Much better than one donut. I know it's January and everyone's going to be losing weight for the next couple of weeks before you go back to your old ways of living. But for right now, I want to tell you two donuts are better than one donut. Amen. Two Chick-fil-A sandwiches better than one Chick-fil-A sandwich. If you can't fit it in, put it away, eat it later. Nothing wrong with that. No shame in that game. Two days at Disneyland is better than one day at Disneyland. I love Disneyland. I loved Disneyland a lot more before I had children. Because I could just go there, me and my wife have a great time. And now it's all about the children. If you've never been to Disneyland uh, and you're wondering, oh, I wonder what it's like. Um, well, just imagine you're in line at the DMV. And that's it. That's what Disneyland is. That's what it is. So, two days are better than one, but it is still fun, and I would still recommend making a trip out to Disneyland at some point. I have to say that because it's true. Two are better than one. They have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. And pity someone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Disclaimer, if you're a young person and you're looking for an escape to lay down with somebody, that's not it. 
That's not it. <laughs> Pastor Drew said we should lay down together. <laughs> nope. Didn't say it. And your parents can listen to the podcast later on and establish that. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Two are better than one. You and I, we're supposed to do life with friends. We're supposed to have great fun, amazing friendships in our lives. Anybody in here ever have a, ever have a best friend before? Come on, when you're, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, he's my best friend. She's my best friend. We're inseparable. You know, I'm talking like, like Forrest and Jenny. Not a big movie in Salt Lake City. Me and Jenny was like peas and carrots. Like Forrest and Jenny. Like Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. Anyone? Scooby-Doo? So ain't Scoobs, you got to do something. I don't know, Raggy. Inseparable. Like Bert and Ernie. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Inseparable. Anybody ever have a best friend? You see, while we're talking about best friends, I, I kind of think that, you know, I, I would say that we don't need to have a best friend, but we should have lots of best friends in our life. We shouldn't just have one person that we're just their best friend. But God's plan for us is that we would have tons of great, amazing friends in our lives. And like I said before, it's possible for us to have thousands of electronic friends on MySpace. I just opened my account the other day. How good is social media? MySpace, check it out. You can have a thousand friends on MySpace, but not a real friend in real life. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy? You could have a thousand likes on a picture, but does anybody like you? Yet we, we have this crazy need for affirmation from strangers who we don't know that we're trying to get to be our fan or our follower. But God's plan is not so much that we have fans and followers, but more that we would have friends. He wants us to have friends in our world. He wants you and I not to do life by ourselves. Who are you doing life with? That's a question I have to ask myself all the time. Who am I actually doing life with? The question we ask at C3 Church is, whose connect group are you in? Not are you in a connect group, but whose connect group are you in? Because everyone's in a group. So whose group are you in? And if you're not in a group yet, do not worry. You can get into one today. There you go. Shameless plug. You don't have to even pay me for that. It's all for free. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. Who do you have in your world that's encouraging you? Who do I have in my world that's encouraging me? Who's in my world that I am encouraging? Who am I encouraging in my world? Because here's the thing I've found. If I sow encouragement, I'm probably going to reap encouragement. If I sow friendship, I'm probably going to reap friendship. I can't make any friends. Have you sowed friendship? Did you stop sowing friendship? For whatever reason, life got busy, whatever. If you, whatever you sow, you'll reap. If you sow gossip, you're going to reap. Oh, gotten quiet here. Some spouses are nudging their, their husbands right now. Like, that's for you. Okay. You guys can deal with that on the drive home. Uh, the drive home from church. It's always a good one after a good sermon. He was talking to you. Okay. Who's encouraging you? Who's sharpening you? Proverbs talks about as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. You know, our friends are supposed to sharpen us. They're supposed to help us. Who, who do you call when you get a, a great news in your life? Who do you call when you get a pay rise at work? Who do you call when, when you, you, you finally get pregnant? Who do you call to celebrate with you? Who do you call? Do you have someone to call? Do you have someone to call uh, when, when stuff's not going well in your world? Who is your 911 call? Now, obviously, if there's an accident, call 911. Okay, you have to say that because otherwise people have a car accident and they call their friend. Like, no. Who's your 911 call? Who do you call when you're on the side of the freeway and you've got a flat tire and you're extremely shameful because you're, you're registered for Emerge Men's Conference, but you don't know how to change a tire? <laughs> who, who do you call when you're stuck on the side of the road and you need someone to come and help you change a tire? Who do you call? And your AAA membership expired? 
and they sent you 15 letters to renew, but you thought, no, no, I'll be fine. But then you're not fine. You're not. You've got a flat tire. Who do you call? Who do we call when we need something? When we need some help? We need, oh, I'm, having a, I'm, having a, I'm having a bad month. I'm having a bad time. I need someone to help me walk through this thing called life. Who do you call? Or do you just do life alone? Do you retreat to the man cave? Or do you retreat to the mum cave, which is actually a legitimate cave that exists for, for mums that, and it happens all the time where, where you have a baby and all of a sudden life just changes and all of a sudden you find yourself home all week and, and, but, but you're isolated. But God's plan is not that we would be isolated people. Proverbs 18 says this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. Whoever isolates himself, the devil wants to lie to you and tell you that other people have isolated you, that you're a victim of isolation. But I would have to argue that the Bible, which is true, says that whoever isolates himself, herself, I found for me in my life, the only person responsible for isolation for me is me. I isolate myself. Other people don't isolate me. I choose to isolate myself. But you know, I thank God for, for great people I've had in my world over the years that have spoken into my life, even when I've tried to isolate myself. I thank God for my connect group leaders when I was a high schooler and when I was a young adult and I was making all kinds of choices. I thank God for strong leaders in my life and friends around me who could sharpen me, who could encourage me, who could be my 911 call, who could be my celebration call. Somebody say amen in church today. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we don't have a confessional booth at C3 Church. We don't. And I'm not sure even if we had one, I would want to be in it. Like, I don't know if I want to know what's going on out there. Like, you did what? You should, you should be at the police station. You shouldn't be in here right now. Get out of here. Go. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> but I think this scripture on the screen, James 5, it encapsulates God's plan for us, doesn't it? Because we, we're to confess our sins to each other. We're to pray for each other. Isn't that sometimes contrary to what we may have believed? That we need to confess our, our sins and have, you know, poor old Vincent Becker can't pray for everybody. I mean, really, if everyone has a thing at the same time, what are you guys going to do? Like, that's not God's plan, though. I don't think God's plan is that it doesn't say in there, you know, go to a special elite you know, reverence clergyman. Let him pray for you with all of his special powers. It doesn't say that. It says go to each other. Confess your sin. I mean, I'm struggling with this thing. I haven't told anybody this, but I've had this secret thing for six months. I need someone to help me. And then the guy, yeah, I've, I've had that problem too. Come on, let's pray for each other. That's God's plan for the church. That's it. That's in our connect groups. That's how we do it. That's how we sharpen each other. That's how we do life together. And the devil rages against us because he's so threatened by this strategy, because it's actually God's ultimate strategy. Small groups meeting together in people's homes, people doing life together. When, when you come up with an offense, when you come up with an unforgiveness thing, when you, when you come up against anything in life, I'm telling you, you are an unstoppable force when you are connected with people in God's house. Anything you come up against, I'm telling you, you can get through it, but you might need some people to walk through it with you. That's going to help somebody today. All right, so connect. I've got to keep moving now. Uh, grow. So number one was connect. Number two is grow. Let me preface this point by saying that you and I, we never actually stop growing. We should never stop growing. And growth is actually a, a good thing. It's actually a good desire that God puts in you, that God's put in me. And, and we're supposed to develop and mature as Christians. And you and I will find frustration in our worlds when we stop growing. You, you will find over time, there will be a subtle frustration that will build when you stop growing in your life. So why would we, as a church, want you to grow? Because we believe that what Jeremiah 29.11 says is true. Let's check it out on the screen. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, 
plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The truth is this, that may blow some people's minds today because they don't think they've got a hope, they don't think they've got a future, but God wants to tell somebody today, you absolutely have a hope, you absolutely have a future, you have a God who has a massive future for you, you have a God that has high hopes for you, but He needs you to grow into your destiny. He needs you to take some steps and move forward and grow into your destiny. The truth is this, each and every one of us have ceilings in our lives. We have things in our lives that we are trying to break through. We're trying to smash through. But God wants to encourage you today. You can do this thing. You just need to keep growing. Don't give up. Keep growing. That's, that may be a ceiling over you. That may be a ceiling over your parents, over your grandparents. That may be a ceiling, a ceiling for you over 20 years of your life. But you can break through that thing in 2019. Someone say amen. The truth is we all have blind spots in our lives. No one can see everything. I can't see everything around me. I wish I could. That would be very helpful. Could be a ninja. Yeah, someone's like, yeah. Always wanted to be a ninja, obviously. I have two cars, and um, full disclosure, because you know I am an open person, and I believe in transparency, and I'm not proud of one of my cars. I... I, you know, I say this with, with some degree of fear that the men with the uh, Rise shirts on are going to frown upon me and judge me. But uh, let those without sin cast the first stone, please. But one of my cars, which I bought in a dark time of my life, a dark time. It was, I was having a hard time. I was confused. I wasn't sure. I wanted MPG which is miles per gallon. In California, ga a gas is like a million dollars. Like, you know, you, you earn, you work to buy gas. That's what you do in California. It's just insane. Out here, I mean, I'm taking some gas home with me from this trip. I am going to find a way to take a couple of gallons of gas home. I'm going to sell it. So many years ago when I was, uh, you know, really in a poverty mentality, I made a crucial mistake of buying a Toyota Prius. Yeah, yeah. And a couple of men just get up and walk out. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so I have a Toyota Prius, and the truth is, actually, it actually is a really great car. It actually is a, a great car, apart from the fact that it's... I have Prius, yeah. <laughs> apart from that, it's, that's, that's the problem. The problem is what it is. Um, I had a friend that had a Prius, and, you know, tragically, he's, he was going, he was driving on the freeway, and a bird flew out, he hit the bird. Um, thankfully, the bird's okay. The Prius is total. <laughs> Completely destroyed. <laughs> Any Prius owners in the place? Yeah. Come on, stick together, people. <laughs> there's maybe there's none. There's nobody. Everyone here has a pickup truck. I love it. <laughs> so one of my cars, unfortunately, is a Prius. The other car has, uh, is an SUV. It has little, um, little lights in the rear view mirrors that tell me if somebody's in a blind spot. So I could be driving in my SUV, and if I try and change lanes, a light will flash saying, don't change lanes because there's a car. You can't see it. You can't see that car. It's a blind spot. It's a blind spot. You can't see it, but this little flashing light will tell me, don't change lanes. Now, my Prius hasn't got that, so I'm already in an unsafe vehicle as it is. And now it hasn't got the ability to tell me if I'm going to merge into somebody driving 70 miles an hour on the freeway. Or 65, the Prius. I'm pushing 65 the best in the right lane. <laughs> but I, I wonder if we have people in our lives that are like that blind spot indicator. The person that says to you, I don't know, I think that may not be a good move to merge into that lane right now. Do we have people in our lives around us that can flash and say, I don't think this is a good idea? Are we open to that? Are we listening to that? Because I'm telling you, people in your connect group, they're going to be great people in your world to have, to have that 360 view of your life that can help you and say, you know what? I don't know if you've seen this, but this is the reality. I don't know when you say that. I don't know if you understand how you're coming across. 
don't know if you keep complaining about your boss, you probably never, you probably should find a new company to work in. Like, uh, that's the reason why you're not getting promoted. That's the reason why you're not where you want to be. Like, I'm telling you, there are people in our lives that need to be our blind spot indicators. It's going to help you and I grow in our life. It's going to help you and I grow. Hebrews 5 says this, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you have, sorry, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who eat milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I've got a, a, a three-year-old son, and uh, he is uh, he's hilarious. He's awesome. He uh, likes to eat chicken nuggets. That's probably his main, his meal of choice, and uh, quesadillas. That's really all he eats. That's really, mostly, most of his diet is that. We try other things like fruit and vegetables. It's very difficult, very difficult. We're getting there. We're trying. Keep praying for us. Put us in the Book of Miracles. Let's keep praying. So my son, you know, he started off just drinking milk like we all would, right? Babies don't come out of the womb and, you know, take them to a steakhouse. You, you can't do that. But one day, my son will be old enough for me to take, and I can't wait for this day. I cannot wait for this. I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian. I love you. I love you. But I love steak. I love steak so much. It's incredible. I'm sorry if, if that upsets you. I love steak houses. And one day my son is going to be old enough that I can take him to a steakhouse and he will be able to eat his very first T-bone steak. Come on, somebody. T-bone steak. Sirloin steak. He may be able to even eat a filet. I don't know what we're going to do. But I'm telling you, one day my son will grow into the place where he is able to eat a steak. And I think that our church, it needs to be both a nursery and a steakhouse. It's a nursery because you can come in whatever way you want to come in and you may need to start on milk but growth, growing, means that eventually you're going to graduate from the milk. And you're going to move to the chicken nuggets. You're going to move to the quesadilla. And eventually you'll find yourself in a steakhouse. Or if you're a vegetarian, a tofu house. I don't know. But I'm telling you, God has a plan. And that plan is that you and I would mature and grow in our lives. And, and that milk is not just what we start with, but we would graduate into other things. I don't know about you, but I have, I have an appetite to grow in my life. I don't want to settle. I don't want to sit and, and, and stay where I am. I want to step up and grow into what God has for me in my life. We never stop growing. We should never stop growing. We should never graduate from growing. You know one of the easiest ways for you and I to grow in this life? Do you want to know what it is? Like two of you? All right. I mean, I'm going to tell you anyway, so <laughs> the rest of you can find out. <laughs> One of the greatest ways that you, you and I can grow in 2019 is by making the choice to plant ourselves in the house of God. Psalm 92 says that those who are planted will flourish. And I'm telling you, listen, if, if, if all you get from my message today is that this year, I'm, I'm going to commit to being in church every week. If I'm in Salt Lake City, I'm in church. I'm going to commit to being in the connect group. Whenever connect group's on, if I'm in Salt Lake City, I'm in connect group. Listen, if all you get from my message today is the fact that Australia has jellyfish that can kill you and birds that attack you and that you need to come to church every week and get planted, then I, I've done my job. And I, I would consider that to be a major win on my behalf. Because the Bible says that those who are planted will flourish. The guarantee of being planted is the guarantee of flourishing. That's the guarantee of it. I'm telling you, if, if you plant yourself here and in six months' time, you have not noticed change in your life. Why don't you come talk to Vince about it? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can, you can come and you can call me up. You can email me uh, because I'm telling you, I, I believe in this so much. If you would really yield yourself, if you would yield yourself to plant yourself and be teachable and, and be open to people around you and get in the connect group and let people sharpen you and be encouraged and get spoken into and be in church every week. You can't do all those things and not flourish in your life. You just simply can't. You know, the devil, he, he works overtime to, to get us 
in our past to get us regretful for things we've done in our past. What I love about God, though, is that He makes all things new. And while the devil works overtime to get us thinking about our past, God wants to do something new in you today. And you will have a hard time, I will have a hard time growing into my future if I'm busy thinking about my past. Can I encourage somebody today? I think God wants to tell somebody today, it's 2019, it's a new day, it's a new year. And maybe that one thing that you cannot seem to let go of, that one person that you cannot seem to forgive could be the one thing that's holding you back from growing into the person that God's called you to be so you can do the things He's called you to do. I want you to get free of that today. I want you to get free of that thing. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you need to give, forgive somebody else. But whatever you need to do, make sure you do it today. Don't leave church the same. All right, keep moving. Running out of time. All right, so connect, grow, serve. Let's talk about serving for a minute. You know, the need uh, of every human being is to be productive and useful in life. One of the first things that God gave Adam in the garden was a job. J-O-B to tend and keep the garden. And God's plan for you and I is that we would be productive and useful in life. So I know many of you serve in church. I love it. I love walking in and seeing all the incredible team. Come on, if you're, if you're serving here at C3 Salt Lake City, give yourselves a hand right now. It's awesome. The high team, the security team, the ushers team, the worship team, so many teams that make this happen. But, but the question you may ask today is, well, why, why should I serve? Which is a valid question. It's a valid question. Extremely worth asking. Why should I serve? Well, let's talk about why you shouldn't serve first. You shouldn't serve because of guilt. Because you lay in bed at night feeling guilty for not serving. You shouldn't serve because that'll be the thing that makes the church love you. The reality is this, the church loved you the second you walked in. In fact, the church loved you before you even walked in. The church loved you when you were down the road at Starbucks. In fact, the church loved you when you were down the road at the strip club. The church loves you no matter what you're doing. So you don't serve to get loved by the church. The church loves you regardless. But it also loves you enough to not keep you the way you came in. Come as you are, but we love you enough not to leave you there. Shouldn't serve because it's the only way you'll feel valuable to God. You know, there's a difference between being a son or daughter of God and being a servant of God. And I think that if we're not careful, religion can get you and I in the wrong position in life. It can get you and I thinking that the only way for me to Garner the, the love of my father is by serving him and making him happy, pleasing him, putting in enough hours. But that's, that's what a servant thinks. But a son or a daughter doesn't think like that. When you're a son or a daughter of God, serving is not something that you do to, to get the approval of God. God loves you and approves you already. He loves you. He loves you if you serve Him or you don't. He loves you anyway. You're a son, you're a daughter. I love my children regardless of what they do. If they clean their room, that's amazing. I'm high-fiving them. I'm buying them candy. It's going to be incredible. But I love my children regardless. So we don't serve to garner the approval and the value from God. We find satisfaction and, and fulfillment. We find those things in serving, sure, but we don't need to find our value or our validation in serving. Okay, so am I saying you shouldn't serve? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you some reasons why you shouldn't. Because if you serve for the wrong reason, you're not going to do it for very long. And I believe that, that serving is something that we do for a lifetime, not for a season. Not for a season. Christians love the word season. Oh, it's a hard season. We're just going through a season. Like, <laughs> what, what, who says that? Who actually says that? It's a season. Like, you don't go to the pub and, you know, a guy's like, yeah, it's a pretty hard season. 
<laughs> no one says that. We have all these funny Christian things we say, like, oh, yeah, I just, I'm just not going to serve for a season. We just got married, so, you know, we want to work in our marriage, and, you know, if we're on the high team, we might get a divorce. <laughs> what? And I get that there are times in your life where you're crazy busy. Like, if you're a 19-year-old who lives with your parents, you don't pay rent, you've got time. You've got spare time. You think you don't, but just track how many hours you're on YouTube, and you may find you've got enough time to start a couple of side companies, serve the church, have three full-time jobs. Now, if you're a single mom with four kids, that's different. That's different. So we all have different time capacities. And I've gone on a bit of a tangent here. I don't know why. But I'm just telling you that, that, that God wants each and every one of us to serve it to some capacity, to some degree. And you don't have to be doing 100 million things to be, to be, to be serving God. You just need to be doing well, whatever you can do to serve God. Okay? So, so why, we've talked about why we shouldn't serve God. Let me talk about why we should serve God. This is the reason why I serve God. This is the reason why I have served God uh, since I was 12 years old. The reason why I serve God is because Jesus Christ has radically changed and transformed my life. And the, the, the way for me to respond to that is simply wanting Him to radically change and impact other people's lives. That's it. That's it. That's the reason why we serve. We serve because we want to see Jesus Christ impact and set free other people's lives. And, and I think that it's important for us to know why we are doing what we are doing. A lot of people do things and, and, and they know what they're doing, but they don't know why they're doing it. They don't know why they're coming in early to set up church. They don't know why they're serving in the kids' church. They don't know why they're, they're learning a skill or, or an instrument. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. But I think it's important that whether you're taking out the trash, whether you're changing a diaper, whether you're singing on a stage, whether you're preaching, whether you're on the sound desk, whether you're on the high team, no matter what you're doing, it's important to know why you and I are doing what we are doing. When I was uh, seven years old, I played soccer. Um, not a big shout for soccer, okay. <laughs> uh, and that's, I'm not offended at all. I played for a couple of years, and I know some of you are shocked, you know, just looking at my physique. Um, why are you laughing? Uh, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't come as a shock to you that I'm an athlete. Um, but I did dabble in soccer for a couple of years as a child, and I was not good. I was not good, and don't feel sorry for me. I've moved on. I've had counseling. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm free indeed. And I played soccer, but I was not good at soccer. I was not good at it. I had a problem with agility, speed, coordination. Apparently, they're all pretty important things when you're playing soccer. So I was not good at soccer. But my team was quite good. We made it to the grand final. The grand final, people. The last game. We made it to the grand final. And uh, my coach didn't give me a lot of field time, typically. But on the grand final, it was a whole new level. And again, don't feel sorry for me, please. Everyone at San Diego is like, ah, don't worry, I'm fine. The coach didn't put me on the whole first half. Whole first half, I'm on the bench. Which, you know, I, I look at that as being, I'm here to help support, you know. I'm here to, sh to shout, you know, kind of like a cheerleader. You know, I mean, I've got a Prius, I may as well be a cheerleader as well, you know. <laughs> Second half rolls in. I'm thinking, yeah, I should be able to play second half. Halfway through the second half, I'm still not on the field. <laughs> I'm like, look, I've got to play at least a little bit in this game because otherwise um, that's kind of unfair, right? So I see my dad talking to the coach. I know what he's saying. He's like, let my son play. I know he's not good, but let him play. So the coach lets me run out on the field. I, I get to play for maybe 10 glorious minutes in which I achieve nothing. <laughs> I don't even remember what I did. Nothing substantial. Absolutely nothing. I ran around, I kicked the ball, probably kicked the wrong way. I probably kicked to the, to the opposite, opposite team. I didn't do very well. So I got pulled off and I was sitting on the bench again. But I got to play in the grand final, people. So there's five minutes to go. It's one all, one all. It's a tight game. The place was electric. There were literally dozens of soccer moms that drove in vans to be there. 
and they were screaming. My friend, and the guitar kicks in at the perfect time. My friend and co-teammate co guy kicks the ball with only a few minutes to go. He scores. It's two to one. It's two to one, everybody. The clock ticks down, goes to zero. And we have won the grand final. We have won the grand final. I don't know about you, but I like to win in life. And even if I only get to play for 10 minutes, I still got to play. The reason why this mattered to me so much was because I wanted the trophy. I wanted the trophy. Now this is back in the 90s when you actually had to win to get a trophy. <laughs> now it's like, you showed up, here you go, here's a trophy. Welcome to being entitled. Um, <laughs> so this is back in the day where you had to actually win to get a trophy. This is going to be my first trophy. And you would think that, I wonder if everyone gets a trophy because, you know, that guy scored a couple of goals. You know, our goalkeeper, he did really well. But the trophy guy came out and the guy who scored the goals gets a trophy and the goalkeeper gets a trophy, the coach gets a trophy. The other guys, the, the forwards, the, the, the guys who, who played the whole game, they get a trophy and then they come to me and they reach their hand out and they still give me a trophy. Because here's the thing, everybody who plays on the team still gets a trophy. So it doesn't matter whether you're changing a diaper or you're taking a trash can out or you're playing keys or you're preaching or you're in the sound desk. At the end of the day, we all still get a trophy because we're all on the same team. We're all on the winning team, amen. You and I, we were created to serve. We were created to be productive. We were created to have function in our life. Connect, grow, serve, lead. Uh, lead. And I, I don't want to talk too much longer. I want to get uh, Vince up here to talk about connect groups and stuff. But I think uh, leadership is, is a topic that can be often confusing to people. And uh, the term discipleship can be a, a phrase that gets, gets overcomplicated and it becomes something that's not. It's actually much more simple than what we sometimes can make it. Discipleship is simply you helping somebody else take their next step. It's simply you helping somebody else connect, grow, serve and lead. And religion has complicated discipleship it's complicated leadership to be about the select few elite, you know, pastors, clergymen, whatever you would want to call them. It becomes about the specific few people that are the only people that are qualified and allowed to lead. But let me encourage you today that I believe that there's leadership in a lot more people in this room than what they think that than what you think there may be. You may be sitting here today thinking, I don't know if I could lead anybody. I don't know if I could lead myself. <laughs> I'm telling you, friend, this is your year to get connected into church, get connected into a connect group, find yourself growing, find yourself serving, and then find yourself helping somebody else go on the same track, the same pathway. I know it's simple. I could make it more complicated if I wanted, but I, I don't know how to. I think that sometimes we, when we think about leadership, we think about the the, the CEO from the big company. Or we think we have to be a certain personality type. We have to be a type of person that's loud, that's funny, that walks into a room and lights it up. But I, I found that, that God uses all types of different people to be leaders. And the truth is you can reach that person who's in the cubicle next to you at work that I can't reach. Vince and Becca can't reach them. They're not there, but you are. But you are. We're all called to lead to some degree. We're all called to disciple. That's, that's the great commission, the great co-mission. We're all on the mission together. It's not a handful of people that get to do it and everyone else just has to watch in the stands. No, we all get to do this thing together. You know, I think about the, the connect group leaders who are in this place today. And I think that you guys are the greatest people on the planet. I love connect group leaders. I love, you never, you never graduate from connect group leading. We never graduate from discipling a handful of people in our life. 
I'm a campus pastor at South Campus and, and my, I have a connect group. I have a core team of my leaders. that They're my connect group and I love it. I love doing life with them. I love it when iron sharpens iron, when we do life together, when we laugh together, when we eat carbs together and we eat way too many and we eat Chick-fil-A together and we eat California burritos together. Never think for a minute that, that leadership has to be some great big thing. It might just be you and 12 people. There's this guy many years ago who had 12 people and one of them didn't work out well. His name was Judas. And in fact, Jesus only had three years, but he was a connect group leader. He was in a connect group. He ran a connect group. Jesus had a connect group and, and it hasn't changed for thousands of years. The reason why it hasn't changed is because it's God's plan. It's God's strategy for the equipping and the enabling and the empowering and the growth of the great church. It's how we take a city for Jesus. It's how we see lives come in here, transformed, changed, saved, discipled. When each and every one of us make the choice to, to, to step outside of what maybe what we're comfortable in, and to connect, grow, serve, and lead. That's God's plan for the church. That's God plan, God's plan for you and I. So in the last few minutes we have, I just want everyone to close their eyes and bow their head right now, just in the last few minutes we have. And I wanna ask this question to you on this very first Sunday of 2019. Are you in relationship with Jesus Christ? Because my friend, that is the very first thing for you to do today. If you are not in relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Many people believe in Jesus, but they're not in relationship with Him. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about, I've been going to church. You can go to church your entire life, but never have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Never actually know Him personally. So listen, today, if you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you once were, but now you're far from Him. You've you've drifted away. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to wave your hand at me so I can see who you are. Thank you. I see the hand up there at the back. Who else is there today? Thank you at the back on the other side. I see you. Who else is there today? Uh, there's a few more of you. I know this, this is your moment. This is your time. Thank you, sir. I see your hand at the back there. You're a legend. Who else is there? This is the moment while you're in church today. This exact moment right here, right now. This is your time. This is your moment. This is your, your hour. This is why I came all the way from San Diego to Salt Lake City was for you, for today. Who was that last person? There's still somebody in here today and you know this is you. Thank you, sir. I see your hand in the middle. Is there somebody else? Is there somebody else? Is there anybody else that, and you know this is your day? Thank you, sir. On the side, I see your hand as well. Is there one more? I often get a, a peace from God when Everyone's raised their hand and needs to. I don't have that peace yet. I feel like there's still, there's still somebody else in here and you need to raise your hand. Who else is that last, last person? Who else is there today? Thank you, sir. I see your hand here. Thank you, ma'am. At the back, I see your hand as well. Thank you. I see your hand, ma'am, in the middle. Is there anybody else in here today that needs to do this? I'm almost out of time. Thank you. I see your hand in the middle. Is there anybody else? Come on, this is, you're talking about New Year's resolutions. Forget the New Year's resolutions. This, if you do this, you'll have a New Year's revolution. You, you won't, you, your goal to lose four pounds will, will literally become nothing compared to what your, your life will look like at the end of this year if you make this decision today. God will revolutionize your entire life. But the first step is to step into relationship with Him. Who else is there today? Is there anybody else today that needs to raise your hand? Who else is there? Thank you at the back there. I see your hand as well. Is there anybody else? I know I'm going a little long. Thank you at the back there. I see your hand too. Who else is there? I usually don't spend this long doing this, but I just still feel like there's people in here and you've known religion, but you've never known relationship. You've known church, but you've never known Jesus. This is your moment. Your whole life is about to change. Amen. Amen. You can open your eyes, church. You can open your eyes. Hey, why don't we give Jesus a mighty shout right now? Come on. God is good. Amen. Hey, listen. Sometimes when we do this, only one or two hands go up. Sometimes five or six. Just then probably maybe 12, 15 hands went up. And I, I really want to, I, I, it would be an absolute honour for me. I would 
I would love to spend a minute just to meet those of you that raised your hand. But because so many of you raised your hand, it's going to be really difficult for me to, to get out there to, to each and every one of you. So what I want to do in just a second is I want, to, I want us in about 30 seconds time for all of us to stand to our feet. And I want to turn this place into a celebration party. And listen, all of you that raised your hand, there's so many of you, I want you to do something really brave. I want you to, I'm going to, I'm going to stand over here. I want you to, to get the person who, came, who brought you to church or the person next to you, if you know them. I want you to grab their hand and say, hey, would you come with me? And I would just love to shake your hand and quickly just give you a quick prayer. And then our church wants to give you a gift and our church wants to give you a Bible. So I want us to stand to our feet right now. And listen, for all of you that raise your hand, please come down the front right now. I'd love to meet you. Do something brave. This is your time. Come on. Yes, yes. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. Who are you? Come down. This is it. Come on. Yeah, keep coming. Come on. Bring someone with you. Bring someone with you. Keep coming down. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, for those of you that raised your hand, I understand it can be a really daunting thing, especially in the movie theater to come down the front. So our, our intention is never to embarrass or overwhelm anybody, but what I would really love to do is, as soon as this service finishes, we've got a great team of people right here. They're on our prayer team. And uh, we're going to close the service up in about two minutes from now. And what I'd love for you to do, for all those of you that raise your hand, on your way out, the prayer team are going to be standing by the door, just up there, just by the top of the stairs, on the way out. Just, just see our prayer team really quickly. They want to spend just two minutes with you. And they want to help set you up uh, to walk with Jesus. But uh, this, is, this, is, this is Robbie right here, right? Robbie. So Robbie, we're going to say a prayer together right now. And all of you guys that raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. In fact, why don't we just pray this prayer all together as a church family. Are you ready? You ready, Robbie? I'm ready. All right. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to hang on a cross for my sin. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, give Jesus a mighty shout.